0: Hello there, and welcome to the Virtues for the Times podcast. My name's Nick Zuma, and your host of this series that tries to tackle some of the ethical questions we're faced with during the COVID 19 pandemic. Some have called the COVID 19 pandemic an unprecedented crisis. Indeed, perhaps in our lifetime, there's been nothing quite like it. However, historically, there have been many plagues and pandemics. There's the Antonine Plague of the early 1st century, the Justinian Plague some hundred years later, and then a little further in history, the Bubonic Plague, or Black Death, just to mention a few. These have been the cause of millions of deaths and hardships that followed, often into the decades after the pandemics hit. In comparison to many parts of the world, Australia's fared well. For now, we've been able to manage the spread of COVID 19, minimising deaths and illnesses where possible. As we've tried to get on with life, albeit in a different way, it hasn't been easy, and avoiding death and illness does not immediately ease concerns. There are many challenges that remain, such as the loss of livelihood, a change in circumstance or physical location, isolation, increased time in front of the screen, separation from family. These are just some of the hardships we still have to face. And how do we face adversity? How is it that those who came before us coped? We have to spring into action somehow, but this isn't always easy, especially if we're not equipped with the mental and physical resources to do so. Today, and through the ages, philosophy has given us some answers. The Stoic philosopher, Marcus Aurelius, lived through war and plague, Boethius, Wrote his Consolations in Prison, and it can be said that the work of Christine de Pizan is largely inspired by moments of great hardship. What can we learn from the wisdom of such thinkers? And do their thoughts have any application for our current challenges? To assist us on this topic, we're joined by Professor Renee Kohleryan. Rene is a philosopher and the Dean of the School of Philosophy and Theology at Notre Dame in Sydney. Rene recently published a book on the moral and political philosophy of St. Augustine and contemporary philosopher William Desmond, and also an article on the influence of Edith Stein on the development of Catholic New Feminism. Rene has a keen interest in medieval philosophy and the influence of philosophical ideas on how we understand what it means to be human. Renee, it's an absolute pleasure to host you on Virtues for the Times.
1: Thank you so much, Nick, really happy to be here.
0: Now, to get stuck right into our topic, Renee, many would consider philosophy a discipline of ideas, but of course, these ideas also enable us to take action. How significant are philosophical resources at a time like this?
1: Well, I think philosophical resources are always really important. At a time like this, when what we're finding is that we have more time on our hands than we're probably used to having, uh, I think that philosophy is potentially even more helpful than ever because it can help us to think slowly and deeply about what's really important in life. And when we might want to sort of jump up and go out and do something, we might have to say to ourselves, now, is that really? the right thing to do given that I'm here in these extraordinary circumstances. Um, we've had to think about things differently during the whole COVID crisis and uh, philosophy gives us the tools to do that, I think, in, in a way that not every other discipline would do so. Um, and what I mean by that is this, if I'm trying to figure out, so when it was when it was really tough during lockdown and we were told absolutely no essential going out, I'd find myself thinking now do I really need that other piece of, you know, another loaf of bread or not? Or, you know, I think the Prime Minister said.
0: (laughs) Surely that depends on the sourdough you're going to buy.
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, interestingly enough, I didn't take up the sourdough trend. I had a a moment of about five seconds where I thought maybe that's something I should do and and decided not to. Instead, I
0: picked up another philosophy book perhaps. I can confirm it's definitely a trend. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> is it happening in your house? Oh,
0: it's, it's happening in my, on my street, lines and lines. It's like, yeah. Sourdough everywhere. Yes, yeah. it is.
1: I think it's really important that, that, um, that balance between contemplation and action. And mm. that's something that our tradition is really good at, uh, at keeping in mind. If you're going to act well, then you need to think well. If you're going to think well, then that needs to be informed by the way that you act and you see others act.
0: Mm-hmm. okay so so reflecting as the sort of as the crisis hit on uh, just practical decisions as well, what, what do I need to do right now yeah and taking stock of perhaps yeah how to how to prepare so what do you think if if anything does philosophy have limits in terms of thinking through this this crisis
1: no I don't think so I don't think philosophy should have any limits <laughs> 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 uh, when I was writing my PhD, my supervisor once turned to me and said, because I yeah. said, oh, well, that's really going into literature a little bit, isn't it? Or that's going into political philosophy. And he said, no, philosophers go everywhere. I see. You can't tell a philosopher yeah. to stop because philosophers do not stop. And I think that that's probably probably a good thing. You can't, you can't overthink <laughs> right. thinking, can you, Nick? I don't know.
0: No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think <laughs> insofar as as uh, you think about something, uh, one might argue that we are, we are philosophising. So yeah. I mentioned sort of a little bit uh, in the introduction, a little bit of the the history of of plagues and perhaps some thinkers that may have thought um, over history. Uh, so, if if you could tell us uh, who you think have been some important ones, I mean, I mentioned sort of the work of Marcus Aurelius, Boethius. Uh, there's also Augustine, uh, Christine de Pizan, if I've got that correctly. Um, so, yeah, tell us about how, if you could just maybe pick a couple, because obviously it's it's too it would be too much to try and cover the philosophy of, of all of these great That's thinkers. Right. Um, but yeah, perhaps if you could kip, kip, pick a couple and, and what you think the important contributions have been.
1: Yeah, sure. So when I was looking at this in preparation for our conversation, it struck me that each of these thinkers was able to take the long view of things. And I think that that's really important. Um, so if you look at Christine de Pizan to start off with her, her, her husband died of the plague. So there's mm. a direct, um, you know, you know, she was a victim of a pandemic you could say. Mm. And her response to this was to do something quite extraordinary for her time. So, she lived in the, she sort of straddled the 14th and 15th century, died in 1430. And when she was widowed with three children, she decided that she was going to do something that hadn't really been done before by a woman, which was to support herself as a writer And one of her greatest works is The City of Ladies, in which Hmm. she goes through the whole history of everything and talks about all of the women throughout history who have made a difference. And that was something quite unusual to do at the time. So um, she had always been supported first by her father, who made sure that she had a really good education, and then by her husband, who said, if you enjoy thinking and philosophizing, I want you to keep on doing that. So she felt very comfortable, I suppose. Um, Well, I mean, despite all of the hardships that she Mm. was enduring in going ahead and doing that. Um, But it struck me as interesting that, you know, she's in this particular circumstance, she's directly affected by a pandemic. And her response isn't to run away, but instead to look More deeply into what it means to be a woman across Mm. the ages, not just in her own time. So that's one. So you gave me a few to think about there. Mm. Um, Look, it's not—it's not exactly a plague link, but I'll give you a bit of a plague link. It's um, Augustine, because you know I really like Augustine, and so I do. I do know that. I need to pop him in there. I came (laughs) across the fact that in Toledo in twelve sixty eight, there is a story about the people of Toledo. So you like this because it's Spain. Yeah. Um, being under attack by a plague of locusts. So, not a pandemic, but still it's a plague. So, not the bulls. I think that counts. <laughs> 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 it's not about the bulls either, not uh, running with uh, the bulls. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that would be a fun I suppose. That would be a good idea. Sorry. Um, and apparently, the people went out and prayed to Augustine and he appeared to them and got rid of those locusts. So, he might be a sort of patron
0: of. Wow. Um, the plague but the patron of plague plague go away yeah plague
1: go away see you later plague um (laughs) um, augustine though i think he's someone who responds well for the most part to adversity he had a bit of a fiery temper Mm. um occasionally but i think it you know when provoked Mm. you might need to be a little bit fiery sometimes. Yeah, and sensitive guy. He,
0: sensitive guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I'm a fan. That's I'm right. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Um, when When Rome fell, he wrote The City of God. <laughs> That was a pretty monumental effort, you know, to say, okay, Rome has fallen. What does this mean? And Mm. then what does he do? He goes back to the fall of the angels at the beginning of time and then through Adam and Eve and, you know, rolls on from there. And interestingly, in terms of what we're talking about today, spends a lot of time talking about the pagan virtues. Right and how they need to be transformed by the Christian virtues. So that seems to be, when you look at Marcus Aurelius as well, just Mm -hmm. briefly, he opens the meditations talking about the virtues of others and how they've influenced him. Yeah, right. Um, So that sort of uh, recourse to thinking about virtue in times of upheaval Seems to be a, a theme for all of these thinkers. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for, for summarising that because uh, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot we could go through. But But <laughs> yeah, right. let's just let's just sort of focus on what sort of effects do you think that crisis on the social political uh, that crisis can have on the social political psyche moving forward, and what would be the lasting impact, for instance, of some of um, these great contributors that we're talking about here uh, with their reflections uh, in these challenging times.
1: It's going to be really interesting in ten, twenty, but you know, thirty, forty, fifty years to actually see what came out of these times because I think it's a, mm. it's a bit hard to see right now. Um, I was reading something recently that you know, a hundred years ago we had a big flu epidemic, and no one mm. has really talked about that for a really long time. It's just sort of come back to our consciousness because of what we're going through now. It was kind of um, the sec- the first world war happened and. And that put it out of everyone, everyone's minds to some extent, but it had a huge impact. Mm. And um, I've run into a couple of people who were actually around, like there were kids during that time, but they sort of remember hearing about it or, um, you know, we've got a, a cent, um, what would it be, a centenarian um, who mm-hmm. lives on our street and she considers herself a baby of the Spanish flu epidemic. And right. it's, obviously really impacted the way that she thinks about her life. So I look at my kids um, and I think they'll remember this time and Mm. I wonder what they'll make of it. But what have others made of it? Like I said, I think they talk about the virtues a lot, but we shouldn't underestimate just how much it impacts people negatively. So it's all very well to say, yeah, great. We're having all these conversations about virtues, but actually lives are being touched and, and sometimes people are crumbling in the present circumstances. And to me, what's been really interesting and sort of devastating in its own way is um, the way that society is being forced to see how many people are underprivileged and marginalized in, Mm. like we've become pretty complacent, haven't we? And
0: and now we're seeing... Yeah,
1: that there are really a lot of people we do not take care of well enough at all.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's definitely one thing that's been, that's, this is highlighted, I think, for all of us. You mentioned virtues there. So at the individual level, um, whether someone has experienced, you know, grief or just, you know, not being able to get in touch or different sort of things that the different challenges that this pandemic has thrown up, uh, I'm thinking just because, you know, I, I also mentioned this thinker, Boethius, um, was someone who wrote the Consolations and spent a lot of time alone. Um, what I mean, what what might be said about philosophical resilience, like at this time? Do you think, Renee?
1: Resilience is an interesting one because I think it's really related to that Mm. classic virtue of courage or perseverance or um, fortitude. (laughs) That's the word that I'm looking for. Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes you have to play, but they're all related to each other. So it's that ability to really take some knocks and to keep going. And the only way that you can really do that is by having that bigger view so that you're going to be better at being... Resilient or having the power or the virtue of fortitude, if you're able to see what's worth fighting for. Right. And what you might just want to let go, you know. Hmm. Maybe I don't need that bar of chocolate from the (laughs) night shop. Maybe I really, really don't. Yeah, maybe I can (laughs) go. Temperance comes in as well.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe I can go without that party. Or I mean, I noticed certainly that uh, as soon as there was some talk of, uh, if if I could call it, you know, the sort of good results in keeping the the spread of the virus down, uh, I, I I did see people were just. Yeah, re- ready to ready to hang out and hug and kiss and of course that's understandable. But um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the virtue of patience too becomes becomes yeah, it, right. becomes, <laughs> it becomes important in all of that. Um, now, Renée, that's right. And and just on that, actually, some of your um early research focused, if if I'm correct here, on sort of sacred space, and you spoke about Augustine as well, um, architecture and, and space, and and I just wondered from a philosophical standpoint. Yeah. How significant do you think the theme of space is to, to this pandemic?
1: I, I think um, you, could, you could broaden it out and you could say that yep. space is really important, but presence, like physical presence is really mm. important. So as much as we have found that there are more opportunities to do things online, and I think to do them quite well, um, it's really pointed out to me just how important it is to be physically present. To someone um, because there's all sorts of there's all sorts of stuff that we can do together that doesn't necessarily involve the visual and the you know and speaking um, if you're sitting down and having coffee with a friend in a park there's a whole lot more going on there than looking at each other on a screen <laughs> Um, mm. <laughs> so in an age where screens have given us tremendous power, I hope that it's also a point where we can step back and say, okay, but, but what's missing from that? Um, mm. and how can I actually make sure that I'm making time in my life to really be with the people I need to be with? Um, yeah. I know we're just we're missing our students tremendously in classrooms, um, and it's the, it's everything from the bustle of everyone getting ready to begin the conversation to the right. running for the coffee in between to racing down um, stairs to get to another class and having a joke or a you know a conversation along the way. We're just missing all of that, and I think it's good that we're missing it. If we weren't, I'd be afraid that we're turning into sort of Cartesian. <laughs> right, right, right. right and you know how do, I love could, Descartes. You know, <laughs> I know, I know
0: you. I know you love Descartes. Yeah, but as if we could just do conversations like this. I mean, one of the things that um that uh, that I've reflected on in terms of space, and I'm sure you have too, uh, being set up at home, whether it's teaching or working from home, is the fact that we invite people. In, albeit in a, in a sort of visual uh, way over the internet, but we invite people into our space. Yeah. And I've heard some commentary suggest that, yeah, this can be quite invasive too because um, we're not in our normal like work space. So, I mean, wh- what do you make of this sort of uh Dichotomy, if I could call it, between of working from home and working in the office, and um, you know what? What can we take from that in terms of what's healthy and what can turn into so, um, something yeah. that's perhaps unhealthy in this situation?
1: Yeah, I, I do think it is an issue um, because we like to demarcate things. So when I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at home, I'm at home. And what I'm noticing is that because this computer is my little window to the world, the world can be here earlier and later. Um, so the boundaries are just you know, a bit too permeable I think at the moment uh, and it'll be good to get back into that demarcation of space a bit more. That being said, I had a conversation mm. with a researcher from Glasgow last night and we probably wouldn't have gone ahead and had that conversation right. in the evening if I hadn't already been you know, still here at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So um, maybe mm. coming out of this, mm. I know mm. people are talking about how we'll just think about how we can manage um, research together a bit differently. And that's probably good. We'll have some key findings in that way.
0: Yeah, no, no. I think I think there's definitely some some benefits to to all of this, such as you know, striking up a conversation with someone on the other side of the globe when it's a uh, particularly inspiring and important conversation to, to to have. Rene, I think that's all we, we have time for um, this time. Was there anything you, you wanted to to add about just you know how important it is to to be able to reflect um, at this time, and 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 I suppose what philosophy can do for us
1: yeah well philosophy at its best is helping us to find out the meaning of life (laughs) sometimes we joke about that but it is actually true that philosophy should be and it's something that every single human being in the entire universe can do they can sit down and they can love wisdom and they look can look for meaning in the big and the small events that they're caught up in their everyday lives so i'd encourage everyone to um, make some time and space for a bit of philosophy every day.
0: Fantastic. A great note to to finish on. That's Professor Renee Kohler-Ryan. Thank you for joining me, Renee. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Nick. It's been great.
0: And that was Professor Renee Kohler-Ryan, who's Dean of the School of Philosophy and Theology at the University of Notre Dame in Sydney. Next week will be our last episode, sadly. And we will continue along philosophical lines and also on the theme of facing adversity, although we'll be looking at a very specific virtue, and that is forgiveness i'm also very pleased to announce that our special guest will be the director of the institute for ethics and society who introduced the series professor john lippett until next time i very much look forward to having your company for the last episode i hope you've enjoyed our philosophical insights this time around this is the virtues for the times podcast and institute for ethics and society initiative at the university of notre dame australia see you soon